Welcome to Hour of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neil. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? Well, I'm pretty good, Lex. Cool, good. Nothing too much to complain about. Yeah. It's suddenly got a lot warmer. Yeah, I've noticed that myself. Which is uh, un- uncharacteristic for this time of year, mm. but it's better than it. I mean, I, I think I should reintroduce like my weekly weather report. <laughs> a really popular part of the podcast. Yeah, definitely. It was uh, surely a part that I'm sure has been commented and favourited many times. Oh, 100%. I, I, I imagine yeah, when it was snowing loads um, last year, that was the only thing people listened for. <laughs> my, uh, my sick weather updates. Yeah. <laughs> Just to find out what it what the weather was like three days ago, sure. In, in specifically Sutton Caulfield. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm really good. I've been playing quite a lot of Magic. Awesome, cool. Or at least interacting with Magic quite a lot. I think I've, like... In, in spite of some things that we have to talk about in this uh, this week's episode, I have um, been sort of uh, rekindling my my love of magic. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of just magic related things. I'm playing quite a bit of arena. Nice. Um, I've been playing some standard now that uh, Allegiance Draft is off the the ranked best of one. Yeah. It's now Guilds of Ravnica, which I uh, have no desire to draft again. Yeah. In my lifetime. Notice that it's 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 fine, um, but mm-hmm. yeah, like I feel like. I'm not really excited to draft it. I don't really have a reason to draft it. Like I'd rather just wait for uh, Ravnica Allegiance to get back onto the arena cycle, or like, like if Dominaria pops up again, I'll do that. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. Like I've I've hit gold on Unlimited, um, and I mean the season's nearly over, right? Uh, We've got a couple more weeks. Sure. I have I have no interest in to to grind Ravnica just to get to like part of yeah. It's it's fine. So I've just been playing some constructed. I built the gates deck because the only method I needed to craft was hydroid crisis. Yeah, and I've been just stomping mono blue, <laughs> which has been uh, really good fun. But yeah, I've, I actually. So you know when we were talking last week about uh, allegiance, and I was saying that like on online drafts I do quite well. Yeah, and then it comes to actual paper drafts, I'm just like abysmal. Sure. I actually managed to three out a paper draft. Hey, sweet. Yeah, I was drafting. I drafted like mediocre ghoul. Okay. Uh, and then I didn't have enough playables, so I had to play the Shark to Crab and Aeromonculus that I picked up early in the draft. They're pretty good cards. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was splashing off uh, Simic Gilgate and An Island, which in hindsight was definitely not enough. Um, yeah, like I probably would have played three mm-hmm. blue sources myself, I think, but I mean, I you also, got there, right? Yeah, yeah. I was also playing uh, Bedeck the Devil, just as a, like, a removal spell. Sweet. For double red. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just it became obvious like halfway through, sort of like towards the end of pack one, that I definitely should have been in an Orzhov deck. Yeah, because I was just getting past like nonsense Orzhov cards, and I think there was a someone had a thirteenth pick blade juggler. Yeah, and I just kept getting past like because I, I opened Akaya. Ooh, nice in the in the first pack, and I was like, okay, so this is not good, but there's nothing else good in this pack, and it's worth like six bucks. <laughs> So I'm like, sure, I'll take that. That's fine. Yeah, I probably just would have forced Orzov at that point. Like, she's probably really, like, she doesn't really do a lot, but still is you know it's still a threat that your opponent has to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like, but then I was like, okay, so that pick doesn't count. I actually start <laughs> dropping and like start dropping Gruul. So I got some sweet like I got like uh, collision classes and stuff like that. It's like okay, this this all that's coming together, and then just start getting past this Orzov deck. I'm like, oh, I should have read the signals of me first picking an Orzov mythic. <laughs> I should have just like stuck to. Start to forcing the off. Yeah, I feel like that that kind of does happen in in especially sort of paper drafts sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. I know when I did the the winner box uh, last weekend, it was very much like 
pack one. I was trying to trying to force Azorius because it was like oh, it's it's the deck I love. It's the deck I know. Yep. There's an okay Azorius deck coming together, but every pack I was like just passing some amazing Rakdos cards, and they kept going, yeah. going around. And I was like, oh, this somebody's going to end up with this amazing Rakdos deck that's just going to run me over in the finals. I know, I know yeah, it's exactly how it's going to go. Yeah, absolutely. But like, I stuck to my guns, got a cool deck, and it was it was really good fun. Yeah, um, had a good time with that. And then um, I've just been sort of tinkering with commander decks. Sweet. Um, I've obviously built a persistent petitioner's deck, <laughs> which is playing thirty copies of persistent petitioner because yeah. <laughs> I have no interest in playing Magic correctly or making any friends. And then I've just been, I've got uh, Legacy F and M coming up this Friday. Sure. So I've been messing about with my with my Maverick deck, and I picked up so I picked up the the Red Jewel lands, and then sort of realised that punishing Maverick isn't it's it's just sort of unnecessary currently. Yeah. Because um, punishing Maverick, like punishing fire, is obviously very very good when the meta game is very very fair which at my LGS is, like, it is a very fair metagame. But you just don't need it with, between stuff like um, Palace Jailer, which is a busted magic card. Yeah, uh, that card is really stupid. It's just won me games. Um, and I'm playing two main net copies of Walking Ballister. Nice. Which, um, with Guy's Cradle, sort of works as a punishing fire substitute. Um, yeah, so I, I get think Ballista's just a great like, card. It's just really good. Um, it's just it just works as a, a removal spell a lot of the time because there's so many like X ones and X twos that you yeah. just get to ping off. Um, and Walking Ballista's been really good. So Punishing Fire, just like warping my mana base on my deck to accommodate Punishing Fire, seems completely unnecessary when I'm already playing Walking Ballista. Sure. Uh, and I've picked up a couple of uh, Khan Sion Aversa, which I know is a card you're a big fan of. Yeah, I do like Khan Sion Aversa quite a lot. Um, yeah. Like specifically in in Vintage, I think I think he's he's a decent card in some decks, and I do I do really miss playing the standard. It was very good yeah, in that yeah. that artifact deck. Yeah, it's a re- it's a really cool card. So I've been th- so I I was thinking like so in Maverick I've been playing I've been playing sort of like a, a more fun version um, that gets because the, the matchup against. Um, Miracles specifically is very very bad. Yeah. So I wanted. I've been playing main deck planeswalkers just to sort of shore up that matchup, and then you obviously you get edges against like Grixis control and like the fair decks where you just get to jam a planeswalker and just grind out the value. Yeah. So those planeswalkers before were Nissel Nissa Vital Force. Sure. It's just a good grindy card and it's a ridiculous combo with Guy's Cradle. Yeah. You tap your Cradle for five, cast Nissa, uptick a untap the Guy's Cradle and get to cast more nonsense, um, and. Uh, Garrett Relentless because you just want to make a steady stream of tokens and then it acts as a removal spell but I've been thinking about playing Khan because it's uh, obviously so you get to uptick to exile two cards and then you can choose your opponent chooses one of them yeah Obviously, you can pick the one they don't choose, so it acts as a sort of like card advantage engine. Yeah, can't it's just a really good value card. Absolutely, and then obviously, like you get to downtick to make some some tokens, which aren't going to be huge in my deck because the only artifacts I'm playing are two GTAs and two ballistas. Yeah. But just making like some two twos that might eventually turn into three threes um, seems like fine enough value to include it. So it's just sort of an all in one package that gets to be like a, a sort of card advantage engine and a sort of token producer. Yeah. Um, and a difficult threat for, for decks like Miracles to deal with. So I'm, I'm going to be putting that in my deck and see how it does. Yeah, for sure. Like I think I think Khan's great. Um, yeah. So do you do like if it sticks around long enough, like you do generate some some real value from it. And absolutely, yeah, it does that thing of like just kind of presenting presenting either like not necessarily a threat, but just something that your opponent has to deal with, or else you're just going to get too much value out of it, which. Hey, if that buys you a turn or two, awesome. That's great. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And then I just get to like jam Palace Jailer and yeah. get their threat and draw like Phyrexian Arena. Seems good. Um, so it's just great. I mean, it's just sort of reaffirmed my... Just thinking about that deck has just reaffirmed my love of Legacy because I yeah. get to actually play Fair Magic and it's actually good. Um, 
So I'm, I'm excited to just see how that goes. Um, and I have consistently foraged the legacy FNM with Maverick. Awesome. It's, it's, I think it's the best it's the thing. Thing I'm best uh, best at in Magic is playing exactly Legacy Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so good at playing that deck. Sweet. Because um, it's just it's just you play a Thalia and then a Knight of the Aquarium and then they're dead. <laughs> so yeah, really definitely not my type of deck at all. Oh, it's so good. Thalia's so good. I know. It's, <laughs> that's why I hate it. <laughs> you, like you're, you're, you play it and your opponent just like curses them to their breath. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> favorite feeling of magic where you play a threat they can't do it, and then you get to wasteland them and they can't cast their brainstorm. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's been that's been my week. Just been you know interacting with magic quite a lot. How has your week been? Yeah, my week my week's been all right. Um, I haven't been interacting with magic much. Uh, just been playing some casual vintage games on Magic Online. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did play in the Singleton event on Magic Arena that was on over the weekend. How many copies of Persistent Petitioners did you play? Uh, I played 36 copies of Persistent <laughs> Petitioners and 24 Islands. See, I wasn't actually sure whether um, whether you actually playing the Petitioners deck. Yeah. Uh, that was sort of like a joke thing. <laughs> a bit of a meme. But, but no, you actually were playing the deck. Oh, yeah, you? yeah, absolutely <laughs> did. And I, like, I didn't even play, like... So, like, obviously a strange thing happened where it was... It's quite similar to the Relentless Rats deck in a way, where mm-hmm. so you just play, you know, X amount of, of that card. So I, I was paying thirty six petitioners, mm-hmm. uh, but then over like the two three days it was it was up. The the meta kind of like shifted a bit as far as that deck goes, and there was like another version of the deck built that was playing like Sleep, so it would tap down your opponent's petitioners and stuff. And uh, <laughs> it was playing the the enchantment whenever you draw a card. Uh, your opponent mills two. Mm-hmm, I can't remember what was called mm-hmm. the one from like M nineteen. Uh, sure. So yeah, like, I didn't even play that version. I was just like, no, I'm playing. I'm playing petitioners. I'm playing them all. That sounds sweet. So I, li- I like that it's like less a, a singleton game, like a singleton event, and more just a who can make the best petition petitioners deck. Oh yeah, for sure. That's a sweet little thing to do, like over a week. <laughs> just yeah. sort of, like, fig- figure out that very very specific and narrow meta game. That's yeah, really cool. It was it was really fun, uh, really interesting. Uh, I. Yeah. I think that the deck's great. Uh, like, wouldn't ever play it in anything else ever. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, yeah, it was just fun. It was really, really fun. Um, I did do the uh, the thing that Owen Turtonwald was going off on as well. Just like signing up to the, the event, choosing your deck, and then getting one win and dropping just so you can get four copies of the dress with the nice art. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, good, that's good value, right? Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. Sweet. So I had... Uh, did that? I was like, I just didn't didn't even grind out my five wins. I think, I think I went like four two. I think that was the best I went, but I wasn't really that bothered. You didn't like, get your promo promo Galter. Didn't get my promo Galter. Well, I'm never ever 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 gonna play Galter ever. <laughs> Why you, you you love green cards? You've told me many times off the podcast that you love green cards. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's a lie. But <laughs> oh yeah, one hundred percent. You you that is your least favorite color in all of Magic. Yeah, I think Asian Serens is a great card. <clears throat> that's not a green card Sylvan Library is a great card uh, that is shouldn't have been a green card yeah. <laughs> that's true actually yeah, yeah that's, it's like not a green effect yeah. it's one of my favourite magic cards but it's not a green card uh, Tarmogoyf is a blue card yeah <laughs> sure all the best green cards are not green cards <laughs> yeah but uh, so I haven't really been playing that much been grinding arena ladder a bit just like just for, for uh, kind of something to do to play some magic um because mm-hmm. it was store championships obviously this weekend uh, or Ravnica weekend I guess I definitely definitely knew that <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I, I didn't go like the mm-hmm. stores near me were running constructed events I don't actually have a complete standard deck that would be 
good enough to you know top eight that event so sure. decided not to go and then the one of the stores was running a draft but it wasn't uh, you didn't get the store championship play mat or a Lavinia promo so it was like uh, oh, not really why you go, right? bothered well the draft you were getting the guild the guild weekend basic lands like the foil guild lands Ooh, okay. That's Which, cool. they're fine, but if yeah, if they'd been given out a Lavinia promo or they'd done it for the match, then I probably would have went then, but yeah, it's going to take more than a, a shiny basic land to, to convince me, I think. Yeah, that, that makes sense. But yeah, it's, yeah I haven't well, I haven't really been playing that much. I've definitely definitely had magic on the mind all week. It's been oh, God, some yeah, uh, got... quite interesting things happened. Oh god, this is the thing. I, I just want to talk about how much I love magic and how great the game is. And then every week, there just seems to be like a new uh, controversy that we need to just, you know, go off on one about. Yeah. I imagine that's what people have come to expect from this podcast is just us angrily complaining about stuff that, you know, <laughs> is sort of fine. But yeah, I guess that's, that's sort of the main topic, just covering all the. Uh, the things that have happened yeah but uh do you want to hit the social media before we do that yeah definitely so before we dive into our main topic this week mm-hmm. uh, if you have any you know hot burning issues you want to get in touch with us about any opinions you want to get in touch with us about tell us how your week in magic was or just tell us we're wrong uh, you can hit us up <laughs> on twitter we are at hfdcast or facebook.com slash hfdcast uh, you can also get us at hfdcast at gmail.com if you just want to send us a good old fashioned email mm-hmm. uh, on our personal social media I'm at peachgardenoaf that's O with an F or facebook.com uh, I'm just Joe Loudon you'll find me in any of the magic groups probably talking about anything and everything to do with magic to be honest I uh, enjoyed that you called it specifically facebook.com in case yeah. people were, were, were confused without the full website <laughs> just type just typing the word Facebook into the browser and not getting any results and just being horribly confused. <laughs> just open up the Facebook, <laughs> use the search bar. As I said, if anyone goes on Facebook on their computer anymore. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, snail69. Nice. Thank you. I'm just, uh, just you know, getting angry about things. <laughs> it's both magic and non-magic. Um, yeah. And, you know, just I'm in the trade groups buying some cards I don't need sometimes. <laughs> Probably. Sweet. We also do have a Patreon as well. It's something that we have yeah. launched fairly recently. It's patreon.com slash arrow devastation. If you want to give back anything at all, sort of show your appreciation for whatever we may provide you, whether that is, you know, a little bit of information, a little bit of entertainment, hopefully a nice mix of both. I don't know. It always feels quite strange doing like, you know, the quote unquote Patreon pitch because uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're really not doing this for sort of anything in return, but the fact that anybody actually wants to give anything back is is something that we massively appreciate and we'll be sure to do something something hopefully hopefully cool in return oh absolutely like i just like i've said before just i do this because it's fun and i like talking to my friend joe about magic yeah and then people listen that's great and if you want to get back that's even better and uh we have (laughs) we have a new patron subscriber we do have a massive massive patron shout out this week Mm -hmm. so it's thomas hughes yeah it was just decided to donate uh, a stupid amount of money for just a silly magic podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, so this is <laughs> so, so you sent me a, a screenshot that someone had, had subscribed for, had, had started to donate at twenty dollars per month. Yeah, which I forgot we had as a tier. Yeah, I can't remember what's on that tier because I never thought anyone would subscribe for that much. And then uh, I noticed the name was Thomas Hughes, and I, I messaged him on Facebook because I, I know him personally and play magic with him like every week. <laughs> So did you just subscribe to our Patreon? <laughs> it was like, yeah, 
I was like, oh, thank, thank you. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Just massive, massive, ridiculously huge thank you to uh, to Thomas Hughes for supporting us on Patreon. That twenty dollar pledge will get you onto an episode of this podcast. Uh, your cho- your choosing, I guess. We get to talk about a subject of your choice, uh, or like if you just want to come us come on and tell us how wrong we are about things and just how silly we are. Like you know, you're our boss now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do whatever you want but yeah, yeah genuinely totally. like from the bottom of my heart, my heart like thank you that is uh that's really cool yeah i mean i told him in person how grateful i was uh, about him subscribing um and told him that i was just gonna you know talk crap about him on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's just he's a, he's a big modern player he owns about seven modern decks i think at this point why is um, he listening to our uh, podcast and all we do that, is just talk question. bad about modern that's the question I'm just like every other week we're just like oh modern's really bad isn't it yeah carry on <laughs> <laughs> and he's apparently found some entertainment in that so that's <laughs> thank, thanks again Tom but yeah if, if you do want to contribute to our Patreon we have a few different tiers it's patreon.com slash arrow devastation for just one dollar a month that's equivalent of <clears throat> approximately 25 cents per episode uh, you obviously help us keep, keep doing this and it's it sort of you know keeps us ticking on keeps us sort of funding itself i guess really uh you know hosting and a website aren't free oh, but yeah, we yeah. do uh, we, you know, we appreciate anything if it is you know a dollar a month 25 cents per episode uh, we've got four dollars a month which gives you access to a patreon feed as well so for that you will get some exclusive content so we do have a uh, draft video up there currently we're going to have some like articles and just some other like hopefully cool things up there like show notes uh, that would be four dollars a month so just one dollar an episode or oh, we do have some higher tiers as well a ten dollar or a twenty dollar like the absolutely fantastic thomas hughes has pledged yeah absolute moron <laughs> <laughs> I'm wasting this money on this stuff right so i guess we're done with shilling yeah i guess i guess shilling so ourselves. let's uh we've got oh, i've got a lot to talk about we do. To keep uh keep doing some things yeah, so as we were recording last week, um, I mean, pretty much as we just sort of finished recording last week, we get the uh, the huge announcement of the uh, the date was confirmed for the pre-release for War of the Spark, mm-hmm. and also the format was confirmed for the Magic Fest London. Yeah, I mean, I, I did enjoy that we literally like hit the stop record button. And about what two minutes later, you just said, "Oh, for God's sake!" <laughs> just sent, sent me a link to this. So we know that the um, the release, uh, the pre-release for the War of the Spark yep. is yep. same weekend as Magic Fest London. Yes, yes. And we will go to uh, in detail about that in a minute. And that the format it's it's marketed marketed as a pre-release GP. It is, yeah, which doesn't seem accurate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I I quite like the idea of a pre-release Grand Prix or like a pre-release style event like that like I know they, they have done them in the past like obviously like the long the long distant past of the 90s mm-hmm. where you would you would turn up to a large, to- large tournament or something like Nationals or something where the format would be whatever released that weekend or it released like the weekend before and it was like the first time <coughs> most people if not any everybody was playing like the cards out of the packs so like I do think that is really cool like similar to the um, uh, was it the Ultimate Masters Iconic Masters event uh, that they did at Hascon. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, just that. like going into the event blind, like you open up whatever you open and just trying to figure it all out as you're going along. Like I think that is a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. But I don't like marketing it as a pre-release event. No, it's, it's strange. So, so this is taking place between the 25th and 28th of April yeah. of this year, right? Um, I, yeah, it's not a pre-release. It's a sealed event, right? Yeah, it like, is, yeah. It's a sealed event and they've 
fudged the dates of it. Yeah. I can't imagine. Like, I'm not going to get into. Oh God. I'm not going to get into like the specifics of, of what this might mean and like tinfoil hat it, which I like to do. But like, this can't have been like a decision they actually wanted to do. You know what I mean? Like, they 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 didn't be like, oh yeah, we'll do this pre-release because it, it, it would have been announced a lot before this, right? It would have been marketed as a pre-release GP, and like it wouldn't have been a thing where it just sort of felt like it was. They they announced when the pre-release was, and then people noticed that it coincided with Magic Fest London, and they then had to sort of send out a tweet like 20 minutes later being like, yeah, we know this and here's all this amazing stuff. Like the fact that it's, you know, it's pretty much GP, it's the first of its kind, it's incredible. I'm like, this seems like a hastily made, hastily made decision because you've oh, messed yeah. up somewhere. Agreed like, 100%. Like, I don't really think there's anything sort of tinfoil hat about it. So, like if, mm-hmm. if the plan was to have the pre-release on the, you know, the weekend of the 26th to the 28th of April, so the last weekend yep. in April, yep. then the advertisement cards in Ravnica Allegiance wouldn't say that War of the Spark is coming out in in April. Yep, yep. So they they knew that they were planning to put the I imagine the pre-release the weekend before this. Yeah, I would assume so. And then the release the release date should should have fallen on um, the weekend of Magic Fest London, so it'd be yep. like a release GP, and that would have been really cool as well. Yeah, people get to play it for the first time, and that you could still have a GP that's sealed and it's still fresh, but people have had a week to open the cards and actually test with it. I think that there's that sort of thing about. Uh, Easter weekend, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's kind of what's happened, really. I think they've, they've most likely just overlooked that that weekend is Easter weekend. Um, most mm. stores across North America and probably you know most of of Europe will be closed or will have like things which you know drastically affect the opening hours. So it kind of seems bad to have a pre-release when like nowhere's open. Yeah, that's the thing, and that that happens to have unfortunately change things in the UK where that isn't as much of an issue Yeah, I mean maybe we have some incredibly Christian listeners who will tell me I'm wrong but you know things are just sort of open at Easter right it's it's not it's not that big, big, that big of a deal but I guess the fact that you can't really have a pre-release when everything in North America is shut for Easter weekend yeah for sure that unfortunately has, has, has changed the things for specifically Magic Trust London um, it, I, I think that sounds like the reason. It sounds very reasonable that that's that's what's caused it. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's that the case. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's, it, it, this has a lot of repercussions. Like, I, I, we have a lot to cover, so I don't want to go too too crazy into it. Um, but I mean, this is going to affect store owners in the UK massively. Like, it, yeah, it just just will. Um, I know there's been like quite a lot of discussion about this on Twitter, but like, I guess just our two cents, like people like a lot of stores get a lot of money over pre-release weekend because there's people that don't regularly go to FNM, don't regularly play events but they like to do pre-release because it's the new cards and they yeah. like to you know, spend a weekend playing magic with new cards um, and I like to go to pre-releases when I can yeah. even though I work on Saturdays and stuff, like I like to try and get to pre-releases and obviously I'm going to be at GP London, right, Magic Fest London yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not going to be in the main event GP, um, but you know they're losing my 20-25 pounds they're going to be losing quite a few um, sums of money, like for people not paying pre-releases. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't just bank on the casuals turning up to do it. Like, I mean, some people, it, it's <clears throat> it's very possible that you know they won't have the right amount of staff because yeah. I know some some LGSs close on GP weekends because they know that people won't turn up. So it's not worth them opening and paying their staff just to run a, an event that where like less people than regular turn up. Yeah, for sure. So I, I know just, from sort of my experience of, of working in a store and running pre-release events that a lot of the people that you do get coming to your pre-release events, they 
they I'd say they are they definitely tend to lean to more sort of like the casual side of play. Um I know quite a few players who pretty much the only events that they'll attend in store are pre-releases but then they will also go to Grand Prix as well because they like they like that that magic fest style of event where you have lots of people all there to celebrate magic and sort of play casually and you know they'll go to it and they'll play side events all weekend which I, I personally think is probably the best way to do a magic fest or, or a Grand Prix or whatever Absolutely. Um, so I, I think I think I think from my experience you will get a lot of players like that in a lot of stores across the country and the fact that we only get two grand prix per year mm-hmm. those players are going to go the, are going to go to the the magic fest kind of regardless unfortunately which is seriously going to hinder stores absolutely and i mean like it's just it's, it sort of fits into what's his marketing of magic fest right like the yeah. reason that magic fest now instead of like being marketed as gps is because they want you know casual people and it's be a, 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 a um, celebration of magic, so they want people to go just to have casual games and just sit and play EDH all weekend yeah. and stuff like that. So it's 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 you know Wizards of the Coast is starting to market it towards those people that would have gone to pre-releases, uh, and you know it's probably not as huge margins as I'm making it sound, but it, they're, they're definitely going to suffer for it. And like I know LGS owners who have complained about it and yeah. are not happy with the decision they've made. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of store owners complain about it, and I think I think the complaints are absolutely justified i think it's mm-hmm. I, I think to be honest i think it's probably just just kind of unfortunate that it's it's the uk yeah i think because because we are such a sort of small country with a small magic scene in you know in comparison to i guess the rest of europe and especially like north america i think it's really mm-hmm. unfortunate that you know one of two events that we get per year falls on the weekend that most of the players who would be attending who will be attending that event would be in their stores anyway a lot of those yeah. players have seen the the date for magic fest has been announced for quite some time now so they'll have made plans and made travel arrangements possibly booked hotels and you know transport trains you know all of that stuff which you know, in a lot of cases that won't be refundable or they've already committed to that so they're not going to really sort of deviate from their plans to you know spend a w- another weekend at the LGS and then have to wait another three, four months to go to the next Magic Fest. Yeah, absolutely. I think this, is, this has been my like, sort of biggest biggest talking point, I guess, for the, the whole of Magic Fest London, like the stuff we've, we've, uh, we've learned over the, over the last week about it. But um, I guess there's, there's a couple of other points to hit. Yeah. Uh, brief, briefly want to discuss the fact you do, it's so it's marketed as a pre-release GP. Right? It is, yeah. You don't get a pre-release promo. <laughs> nope. No, yeah, you're not getting a pre-release kit as far as I'm aware. I think it is just six packs of, uh, of War of the Spark. Mm-hmm. So it's not a pre-release. You, it's just a sealed event that they've fudged the dates on. Yeah, right. That, that's. I mean, that's that's it at the end of the day. Like, which is fine, but like, they've made it amazing. They sound amazing, but it's just like you don't get a pre-release promo. You don't get a little dice. Like, it's not. You don't get the camaraderie of a, of a normal pre-release. You get a promo lightning bolt, but that doesn't have the date stamped on it. No, <laughs> that's not the same. I mean, it's it's a very. I think that's a very like sort of weak argument, but I mean that does matter to a couple of people. Yeah, um, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a pre-release event in the sense that it's an event a week before the set is officially released. Sure, but it's not. Happens. It's not a pre-release event. You're not sat around a table with a bunch of your friends and you're all talking about each other's pools and oh that card looks cool or what did you open oh I got this oh I got that like you're not going to be able to do that like the fact that uh, Grand Prix run at Comprel as well like you like you're not going to be able to do that within the rules of the the tournament yeah I think one of the things about the pre-releases is you you play a card and your opponent goes oh that's not how that works and you're like oh okay so you learn how the cards work it's going to be cutthroat right it's going to be Comprel yeah it's going to be 
playing to win. It's, it's like a, a, the Allegiance pre-release where I was playing uh, my friend Rob and I tried to flash in a Hydroid Crisis. <laughs> it was like, that card's good, but it's not that good. <laughs> and stuff like that is like, you're going to miss out on because it's just a sealed event. Yeah. And uh, for, for a lot of people, they're just going to be sort of missing a, a pre-release event. Yeah. Which is which is a shame because I know a lot of people, like, that's something they look forward to. It's yeah, so definitely. something I look forward to. Um, uh, then there's also the fact that it's... Uh, Seventy pounds for a pre-release. Yes, <laughs> and it, it is normally not that much. Yeah, I'm, I'm not paying seventy pounds for a pre-release. If that's what you're marketing as, if if, if Wizards of the Coast are going to call it a pre-release GP, which has been all over their, their yeah. marketing, like that, that, that's that, that's the thing. Like I obviously I understand how Grand Prix work, and seventy pound for a sealed Grand Prix is, although it's you know I still think it's a slight touch on the expensive side. Mm-hmm. It's fair when you take into consideration that there's like an eighty thousand dollar prize pool. Mm-hmm. Everyone pays seventy pound towards that prize pool. Somebody's got to win it all, you know. Well, not all, but someone's going to walk away with ten thousand dollars. Yeah, I think that's fine. But calling it a pre-release and then asking seventy pounds, and then you also have the bizarre structure on top of that as well. Oh, absolutely. Which is, uh, I guess, the next thing we should touch on. Oh yeah, yeah. Just want to go go through that because it's it's. I mean, I think this, the, the structure of the tournament is largely fine. I just think it's 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 strange. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it can lead to like some serious feel bads if you're yeah. trying to grind, trying to grind it out. Yeah, definitely. So rather than <laughs> the traditional way of doing like a limited event where you'll have uh, you'll start on the Saturday morning and then we'll do like eight rounds on the Saturday and then uh, we've got a six-two cut to to, to day two. Uh, Usually, yeah. Yeah. Depends on size, like turnouts or tournaments. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. Depends on around six two. Yeah, and whoever makes that will get on to play day two. They're mm-hmm. doing it slightly differently, so they've got four different flights, uh, and if you go, if you get eighteen points in any of those flights, then you will qualify for day two on the Sunday. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of like two day ones, but then each of those day ones is split into two separate tournaments which could qualify you for the Sunday yes so there's yeah one on the Friday morning one Friday uh, afternoon one on Saturday morning one on Saturday afternoon and these are seven rounds right they are seven rounds including so, build time yes uh, so at the the very worst you would need to go 6-1 to <laughs> qualify for day two sure that's uh, I mean that's not an easy thing to do right no it's uh, it's a difficult thing to do which I kind of think is it's fair enough. These events with these massive prizes aren't easy. I don't think you know they probably should not be easy. Yep. But given that it's it's a week before the set is officially released, we're yep. gonna have like twelve hours or something before the first event to have actually been able to play any of it at all on Magic Online and Magic Arena. So it's it's released two days before the start of the GP, right? On Arena, I think. Uh, I think it's the Thursday. Is it the Thursday evening? It'll be released on the arena. I think so. Yeah. So yeah. you'll have like, I guess, depending on which flight you enter, you'll have like one to two days to yeah, yeah. get like some semblance of knowledge about the set. Yeah. Well. It, yeah. Even depends. I oh, guess well, it depends when when the arena update is as well. Um, yeah. 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 I think right. so. I'm I'm planning on doing the the first flight on the Friday morning. So I think if I wanted to stay up and just grind it for like 
the maximum amount of time. I think it I think it works at about 16, 17 hours or something. Sure. I think um, Marshall and Louise from Limited Resources, their uh, set reviews will be putting a lot of weight that weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. listening to it really, because that's like, honestly, that's going to be like some of the, the biggest content you're going to get as preparation for a GP, which is, it sounds weird. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be a thing. I don't know. Also, what, what time does the afternoon flight start? So flight two of like a certain day. Uh, I think they're like start? 1 p.m., I think. 1, 1 p.m. Yeah. And then you've got to, you've got to open your open your pool, register your pool, build your deck, and then play seven rounds. Yeah, that's going to be a late finish. Yeah, but plus like you're going to finish late in the day, and then there's going to be some too. overlap as well. So if you're doing the morning one, mm. and let's say you're like you're like four nil going into uh, going into the afternoon, mm-hmm. and you're thinking, well, like so you've got to you've got to win two more, but you could easily lose the next three in a row you've yep. got no way of knowing that before the next flight starts that's the thing so if you're like if you're say you're 3-0 yeah then you lose your next round so you're 3-1 so you, you have to win out you have to go you know win, win your next three, three matches to make day two yeah and then the next round you get um, your second loss so you're three 3-2 and then that, that happens at say you know 15 minutes past one based on how the day rose yeah. you can't enter the second flight on that day you have to wait until the next day I mean, that feels bad, I guess. It does. Uh, it feels even worse when you're paying £70 a pop as well. Yep, and if you have to do all four flights. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's the biggest kicker about the price for me is, is the, fa- the fact that you could you could spend £280 on mm-hmm. pre-release events, yeah. essentially, and yeah. still not qualify for day two. Yep. I think, like, I think there is, there is a... Package, I think it's 120 pounds. That gets you entry into two flights. Sure, so you're saving 20 quid. Yeah, which isn't. Yeah. It's not that great, but I, I do feel like there should be considerable discounts or like a <clears throat> some sort of pass which gets you entry into like all four at like a you know a, a much larger discount than like say 20 quid off off two. Sure. So I mean, say say that you, you know you could buy a package that enters you into all four flights for two hundred pounds, yeah, and then you just crush your first flight seven zero. Yeah. So you've just wasted one hundred and thirty pounds. I mean, maybe they could just give you like um, eighteen more booster packs. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so at least you get something for your money. Yeah. But like, it's a it's a it's a weird model, a weird structure. But we'll have to see how it plays out. Like, I'm not fully against it. Like, it's interesting. But I mean, the potential downsides and the feel bads for players playing on it could be pretty big yeah definitely i'm i'm just i'm just really glad that i got the uh, channel fireball golden ticket in the black friday sale oh yeah so i'm gonna use my golden ticket for that uh, so that means it's gonna cost me like 40 quid essentially which yeah, i think that's fine uh, for for the sealed event i think that's probably what they should be about like maybe maybe a little bit more maybe like 50 quid max would be would be nice uh, so i think like the pricing's fine, but I'm, I only intend to enter one. It's going to be the first, yeah, the first one on a Friday morning, just to mm-hmm. sort of get it over and done with. Instead of that, I'm just going to use that seventy pounds to enter the legacy side events. I think. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like a better use of earth money for me. That's it. I'm like, like I've got this golden ticket. I was going to spend it on this on the sealed one, like whichever Grand Prix was limited this year. Mm-hmm. See, it's this one. Let's just get it out of the way, nice and early, nine a.m. Friday morning. Yeah, I'll go. Oh three, and then it's just like Enjoy legacy all weekend. Yeah, absolutely, sounds great. Yeah. So, anything else you want to want to hit on Magic Fest London before we move on? I mean, they they did announce today a I, I don't know I don't know if like fix isn't really the sort of correct word to use, but a, a something to try to smooth it out a little with, uh, with UK store 
owners was that uh, they they are going to allow uh, UK WPN stores to run uh, a pre-release on the 26th of April, mm-hmm. uh, which is the Friday. So pre-releases only usually take place on a Saturday and Sunday of a weekend. Uh, but obviously, because of all this, the timing issues and all of the the frustration and you know probably large lost revenue for UK game stores. I think they they've tried to tried to do something to make it a little better and they've said oh well you can you can run a pre-release a day early sure but it just just doesn't change anything like at all given the fact that like the magic fest grand prix runs over the friday saturday sunday anyway Mm -hmm. and most people will be traveling down on like the friday if they're not traveling down on the thursday anyway yeah i mean gp weekends i've never gone to fm because you know traveling yeah yeah um so I mean, yeah, you get to run the pre-release five hours early. Yeah, which, uh, I think should just be the standard. I think you should be able to do a pre-release F and M and not have to do midnight pre-release. Yeah, a pre-release F and M would be a really cool idea. But yeah, like the, the fix isn't really a fix, is it? Let's be honest. Not at all. It's I mean, it's it's nice that they responded to like the couple of open letters that I saw from like players and store owners, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, it isn't really anything other than a a response. You know, just, just so they can go look, we did something. Yeah, look at how great we are. Yeah, yeah this, the, we'll just have to see what happens well, yeah. when, we, when we when it gets to it. We'll see whether the fallout is as bad as we we predict. I guess yeah. as a community. Cool. So, was that everything for for Magic Fest London? I think so. I think we've we'll get that doom and gloom out of the way because we do have something quite cool to talk about. Absolutely, some pretty cool things to talk about as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, not only did we get the doom and gloom about Magic Fest uh, War of the Spark pre-release, we mm-hmm. also got the hype that is the War of the Spark trailer. Oh man, it's so good. Yeah, it's, it's this, this really is the thing, cool. Like, it's a small, small point I want to make. It's like when it comes to like events and you know social media and making announcements. Watsy, their track record has been less than good. Yeah, but when it comes to making magic cards and writing the law and hyping up their actual magic cards, their actual product, they are doing a fantastic job. Most of the time, yeah. <laughs> hey, we're done with doom and gloom. There's no, there's no more complaining to be had on this episode, right? <laughs> sure, sure. Yep. So we got the War of the Spark trailer. Yeah. Which has, which is really cool, really, really cool. I was like mid conversation with some people, like, um, <laughs> like just before F and M. I think it was Friday, right? That it was released. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and they did a uh, release that <coughs> coincided with uh, a few content creators and social media figures did some reaction videos to the trailer, and they all they all dropped at the same time. Oh, that's really cool. Sort of um, like a coordinated, you know, a bit of promotion from Winston of the Coast, which I, I think is cool. I, I'm glad yeah, they, I'm glad they did it that way. It was really cool. Yeah, I was like, you know, sort of like mid conversation, having a smoke outside before F and M, and then uh, you sent me the link to the trailer, and I was like, oh, no, I need to stop. I need to stop and watch this. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really cool. Um, it's just on the Wizards site, right? Like the mothership. Yeah, I think it's on the mothership. But it's on obviously the the YouTube page. Uh, you check out Tolarian Community College's amazing reaction video as well. Yeah, it's really good. Um, that's the thing. Like, even if you're not interested, because like, I know a lot of magic players aren't interested in the, the lore or whatever, yeah, or like yeah. the story that goes behind it. But it just it just made me so hyped for the for the thing. So it's like oh, I don't want to ruin it. I really don't want to ruin it. But like this, it's like it's sort of a, a, a span shot. What word am I trying to think of? Like a I don't know. It's like it's like the camera's going in around Africa, yeah. like around around a tall building with like stained glass windows, and it's like loads of what I what we were assuming at this point the planeswalkers. Yeah, it goes around. It's like. 36 windows right all with like different stained glass like, really cool looking stained glass art of planeswalkers yeah and then it goes to the top and there is Gideon Jace and who's it all uh, I want to say it's Chandra 
I think it might be one of the gatewatch, right? Yeah. And then we go through that window, and then there's like I assume thirty-six candles. There's yeah. a lot of candles, right? I'm assuming it's thirty-six. That would make sense. I would assume so. I haven't counted, but yeah, I'd assume so. Yeah, and then they all go out, and there's like one left, and then that candle goes out, and then the smoke forms bowler's horns. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, which I assume, I assume means like you know these planeswalkers are going to die, whatever. But like it was just it was just really really cool. And anytime Bolas is heavily involved in a set, I'm uh, fully in. Yep, definitely. Obviously, big fan of Bolas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the trailer was just so cool, and it just made me really excited for it. Because I mean, like even when Magic sets have been bad, like I'm I still really love the, the story and the the like the lore that goes behind it. Yeah, like as much as I as much as I despise Ixalan and Rivals of Ixalan specifically as a set. <laughs> The story for Rivals was absolutely fantastic. That's my favourite. Like, I think it was one of my favourite magic stories, sort of, ever, I guess. Like, the, the whole interaction between Jason and Frasco. Yeah, quite possibly. And your boy, Ugin. Yeah. It was, it was really, really cool. So, like, I'm, I'm really, really excited to see how the story goes for that. Because the stories for... Obviously, I know we're getting a book for, like, the Ravnica arc. Yeah. Um, but the, the stories, like, they've been releasing for the guilds and stuff have been really, really good recently. Um, like Hour of Devastation. See, I, I haven't been, story. I haven't been reading the the stories for the guilds. I read like most of the Guild of Ravnica one, but I just found myself like not caring that much. Oh man! Like, so this is going to be a plug for a from a much smaller podcast for a podcast that everyone already knows about. But if you don't already, <laughs> check out the Voice of All podcast. Yeah, they just they do like live readings. Well, not live readings, but they do like recordings. Yeah. Um, of, of the magic story but like they get loads of people in to do to play all the characters and like have like sound effects and music and stuff it's really really cool so if like if you can't be bothered to sort of sit and read you can like listen to all the story yeah um, like like an audiobook and it's really really good um, and th- there's a really good way to like, sort of consume that content if you can't be bothered to sort of keep up and read uh, the actual stuff on the on the, the Watsi site but yeah the, the story's just been really good so I'm really excited to see what happens because we don't really know much like, I, I think we all knew that there were going to be lots of planeswalkers on Ravnica right? yeah and we all knew that Bolas was going to be involved. Yep. That's basically all we know. There's been some speculation about like what which planeswalkers they are on the stained glass windows. And like you can see a couple of like familiar characters and like some ones that we've never seen before. Um, and that's really cool. But we don't read it. It hasn't really spoiled anything. It just it just it's it's a really cool um, video, and it's made me like really excited for the, for the set. Even though I was excited anyway. Yeah, I was really, really excited. I mean, just the, the fact that like, some of the art, like, you can tell what it is, who the planeswalkers are. Um, yeah, even, like, Mark Rosewater's obviously had a few questions about it on his, on his blog, and he's responded <clears> to some. Uh, I think, like, the big ones, obviously, somebody said, uh, love the trailer for War of the Spark, would like to know if we can see all the stained class with the planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Dingy replied to that with, I assume we'll show them off at some point in a clear and easy way to see them you don't put 36 pieces of art from a set in a trailer and not want people to appreciate them oh hell yeah yep and like definitely that's that's awesome it's all all in for that but yeah I mean like some of the art that we've seen like Tybalt's there which is really cool we've got some returning ones we've got Khan we've got Sahili we've got that uh, the Tamio from uh, the Ravnica Collegiate Mythic Edition mm-hmm. so this is my, my sort of mini tinfoil hat bit right sure so it's not that simple, but we know that it's sort of generally accepted that the Mythic Edition Planeswalkers, right, from that from that stupid set, yeah, Mythic Edition Planeswalkers are like sort of masterpiece like, and it seems like they were just masterpieces that were scrapped because the player base said we don't really like masterpieces, we and then what's we were like okay we want to take a break from masterpieces so that's fine so they got rid of them, yeah, but I imagine since they do everything they do all the sets and stuff you know, two or so years in advance they already had commissioned the art for the myth for the. Um, 
for the masterpieces for these planeswalkers. Yeah. So then they release them as Mythic Edition, which is why we have stuff like Elspeth and Tamiyo yeah. in a Mythic Edition on Ravnica where they're not relevant to the story yet. Yeah. So I imagine that War of the Spark was meant to have masterpieces, um, and the Mythic Edition planeswalkers are those scrapped masterpieces. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the case, quite probably the case. Because mm-hmm, the, the Mythic Edition cards, like the, the, the special art cards, they look like masterpieces, right? They're sort of like full, full art, yeah. extended order type deals. Um, and I mean, it, it, it plays into the specific, like the fact that we've had a lot of excess Ixalan art. Yeah. Because we assumed that there were going to be Ixalan masterpieces. Yeah, yeah. So you have like Escape Shift from M19. Yeah. Which is obviously Ixalan art, which was probably going to be a masterpiece with that art, but then they scrapped masterpieces. Yeah, so quite possibly. That. I know they've seen that they did sort of just straight up say that uh, <laughs> that they, they were put, going to put masterpieces in Ixalan, and the new ones from the Ixalan set were the, the dual sided lands. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then you had like Demonic Tutor from Ultra Masters, which was obviously excellent art and stuff like that. So I think that's sort of a similar thing here, where like the Mythic Edition is just using up um, cool Masterpiece Planeswalker art that they aren't going to be using. Yeah. I mean, this is a little bit too. Although, like, some of the art in in the trailer, like, does. Is all that already exists for those cards? Uh, so stuff mm-hmm. like the Tybalt is the same Tybalt from uh, Dark Ascension. Yes. Yeah. So it's the same Tybalt wait, from Dark wait. Ascension. Avacyn restored. Uh, yes, actually, yeah, Avacyn restored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's the same Tybalt art from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, also like Jiang Yanggu from the uh, Global series is there. Yeah, because China is now a plane. Yeah, <laughs> apparently, uh, mainland China is a plane. Yeah, yeah apparently so. Yeah. Um, Which, yeah, it's what we've got. Like, so it makes me think we've got like maybe Elspeth and Doretti in the set, like in a natural Roar of the Spark as actual characters. Quite possibly. Um, I know we've definitely got uh, Davriel Kane from the uh, the novella that was released a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. So there's some art that people are speculating that it's him because it matches up with his his costume, sort of as described in that novella. Yeah. And then this week we have also had confirmed a new Planeswalker as well. Mm-hmm. That's Teo Varada. Yeah. And we've seen Teo Varada before on the front cover of the Ravnica War of the Spark novel. Yes, yes we have. Um, who, and then they've given some background about him, right? Like, yeah, so apparently, playing. yeah, Teo Varada is a, a shield mage Planeswalker. Uh, they haven't said what plane he's from, but apparently this plane has like these just violent like diamond storms where like diamonds rain from the sky and he gets trapped in like a tempest there and just about die when suddenly a spark ignites and he's pulled to Ravnica um presumably to take place in this this war against Nicol Bolas so cool yeah so we don't know whether that's like you know these these planeswalkers um are being called by Bolas yeah so they're all drawn to Ravnica um or whether they're being called by some greater force to like fight Bolas or like uh, there's so much speculation this is why I'm so excited about it it just means so much and I'm just really excited to see what's going on yeah definitely um, and I think this is this is why I have such an affinity for magic in general right like I like collecting cards I like playing cards I like playing the game of magic but stuff like this is just so cool um, and just makes me really excited just to be a magic player yeah because I get to see these cool stories and like I you know I do care about characters right like I, I care about what happens to like Tamio and stuff like this is this is what I mean like what's he been so good at doing this that they have made me invested in their characters as well as their actual physical card game yeah like 
it's it's just like that's they're, they're the things I love. They're the things I absolutely love about the game. Mm-hmm. Like all of these like little things. It's similar to like why I felt such a sort of strong love for Star Wars in my childhood and sort of growing up and stuff. Like all of these mm-hmm. like extended universe stuff and like all these worlds and characters and everything's interlinked and you just see it all playing out across all the various mediums that you play. Mm-hmm. And with this thing, like one of the most excited experiences I've genuinely ever had with magic was a couple of weeks ago when I noticed on the the flavor text of mechanized production which was a mm-hmm. card released over two years ago yep. uh, there's a quote from Dovin Barn at the bottom which says give me eight walkers I'll give you the city yeah obviously at the time that was a reference to Kaladesh and the Kaladesh storyline but now mm-hmm. knowing what we know about Ravnica and Dovin Barn being on Ravnica that puts that whole thing into just completely new context. Absolutely. I mean, this this is something I got specifically very excited about when I when we were discussing it. Like, it's so obviously it's like you know the, the walkers like they're big machine. Artists, yeah, it's like the, the Gearhawks and yeah, yeah, who who um, protect who who you know sort of control the city in Kaladesh. Yeah, but you know, walkers. It's short for planeswalkers. Ravnica is the city of guilds. Yep. There are eight planeswalkers working with Bolas. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Very exciting. Oh, just that's just stuff I love. And like, just yeah, you know, like completely overlooked flavor text from a card that was released two years ago. Yeah, now absolutely. suddenly is like r- ridiculously relevant to what's going to happen next in the the story of Magic. Yeah, it's really really cool. Um, it's just about that I love, like just noticing flavor text on cards and just. I mean, that's why I love magic so much. Yeah. The, the main reason I love magic at the moment is the uh, one of the Gruul Gilgate arts, the one that's just the, the door with some bricks next to it. Yeah. It's just it's just not an entrance at all. It's just a door <laughs> standing there in a smashed city. It's, it's awesome. It's just like that. I just, I just think it's, it adds just an extra. Otherwise, I'd just play, like, you know, poker. Yeah. <laughs> or chess or something. But I get all this extra cool, like, sort of cool fantasy worlds and yeah. world buildings. This is the thing, I'll, I'll look, I've said it a thousand times, but like they're so good at world building and yeah. so good at creating lore that it just I, it upsets me that they aren't proving themselves to be particularly good at the rest of the stuff at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it's, agreed. The cards in the world are just so good. And it's the fact that like they, they're constantly innovating and inventing new worlds like like all the time like I, I don't I don't know any other like IP, like original IP that has like the amount of worlds and constantly the amount of new worlds that magic does like star wars is probably um, maybe star trek like the only things that you can compare it to really yeah this is an interesting thing so i don't particularly have anything like that like i really like star wars but i don't i'm, I'm definitely not as, as into it as i am to like magic yeah but i've never had that like even even as a kid like i never i thought star wars was cool yeah I thought star trek was cool but like i've never been this invested in something yeah and i'm just like a weird 25 year old who's really into like fantasy <laughs> characters and stuff like it's it's just that's how good it is it just pulls like people into it yeah it's 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 amazing it's it's one of my favorite things about magic like i know we we gushed about it a lot during like dominaria release and like the the hype coming up to that set and how like pretty much every card was like a reference to cards from the 90s and oh god yeah yeah like, i i i don't really know like like what fuels it because it I know, like, when you you hear, like, a lot of, like, older players or players who've been playing for a long time mm-hmm. talk about it, and they all talk about, like, nostalgia, and, oh, yeah, you know, we used to do this as, as kids and play with these as kids, and, like, I didn't play Magic as, as a child. No, this is the thing. Yeah, I, I still I'll... feel like there's, there's just there's just something that is, like, whoa, it's, it's, like, almost like a relic from the past or, like, a relic from, like, another world. Yeah, this is the thing. I've been, I've been thinking about it quite a lot um, recently, 
like coincidentally it's just it's like pseudo nostalgia yeah you know what i mean like i because a lot of people a lot of people that were starting playing magic like in the 90s when they were kids like have enjoyed like old border cards or like cards from alpha beta because they were what they used to play as a kid yeah whereas i like them because they're like old and like they're the start of magic and it, it just it, like you said like it just it just sort of like sparks something in me yeah that I just really appreciate. So when you have like references on brand new cards to old cards, and like when we get to revisit planes or characters from like ages ago, even before I started playing Magic, I knew what Magic was. It's just, there's just something in me that I just find really cool. It's like why well, it's why I collect like sort of old border cards, and like if there's a version of a card I can get in an old frame or from like revised or something, I would definitely pick it up like that because it just, it feels I don't know, it just feels important and special, you know. Yeah, definitely. Like like I literally like cannot cannot have nostalgia for these cards. Like I was two years old when beta came out, and today <coughs> I was like ridiculously excited because I got my first beta basic. Oh, uh, you got your first. I only have I already have three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are forests, so they're much less desirable. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, come come back when you want a bit of power. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah I have a, I have. A lot of reservist cards. It's fine. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, like absolutely, it's just, it's just, there's just something about it, right? Like, yeah, definitely. It. It's just so exciting. Yeah, man, it's really good to just talk about how much we love magic on this podcast. It's, it's, it's great, and it is for you know for everything, everything negative we do, we do talk about. Uh, like, I just think it is really important to come back around to the good things about magic and the things you enjoy. Absolutely, I just love magic. It's so good. And I mean, I'm never going to have this. I just don't. It's weird because um, I mean, my first proper magic set was Theros, right? Yeah. I don't care about Theros. I don't have an affinity for Theros. I don't have nostalgia for Theros. Yeah, same. Like, it's I just, kind of like, I kind of really dislike Theros. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why because it's like my first set and what got me into magic and like Elspeth Sons Champion was like the coolest card I could ever imagine when yeah. I was when I started playing. But I don't really care. Like, I'm not clamoring to play Theros cards or own Theros cards or. I mean, I'm interested in the lore specifically. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not massively into like the lore of Theros. But I like, I really like some of the cards. Uh, like, I think the the temples are amazing. Mm. I really, really like the design of the temples, and then like Ashiok's possibly my favorite planeswalker. Although yeah. we don't really, we don't really know anything about them. But I, I'm hoping Ashiok comes back soon. I'm going to be so disappointed now if Ashiok isn't in War of the Spark. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, Just all of the walkers apart from Ashiok. I think because we got a lot about them in um, in the IDW comics, right? Like they, like, they interacted a lot with, with Dak. I mean, more, more so than we did in, in the cards, yeah. But it, I think it was we got more about Dak than we did Ashiok, really. I think. Yeah, that's the thing. Because on the actual cards, like I, honestly, I will, I will admit I've not read the Theros story, um, but I don't think we've learned much about Ashiok. No, not at all. It's just there's some kind of cool dark mage who infects people's dreams. Yeah. But we don't care about them. <laughs> like, oh, like, I, you know, care, I care. <laughs> yeah, I care. Yeah, that's thing. That's thing I do. But like, there's nothing to actually go off really apart yeah. from the fact they're badass and don't have a face. <laughs> yeah, I think I guess like to throw back to the Star Wars references, like Ashok's kind of like at least for me, Ashok's kind of like the Boba Fett of the, the Magic Universe. Oh, sure, they don't really yeah. don't know anything about them. Like they don't really say or do anything relevant. But they just, God, they just look so cool. Yeah, and their cards really good actually. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, absolute cube all star. Like one of my favorite cards to play in cube. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I'm very, I'm very excited to see what happens with uh, Elspeth specifically. Yeah. I could do really like Elspeth. I think it's, I think she's like one of my favorite magic characters, probably. Yeah. Um, if you want a uh, tinfoil hat, back in. Uh, always. always. <laughs> I, I, I have a theory. Go on. Could be related to Elspeth. Let's go. So throwing back to the uh, that War of the Spark trailer. 
mm-hmm. uh, we do see the so you get the shot around the the cathedral or church or whatever that is that big tower of all the planeswalkers mm-hmm. when the camera pans up and goes inside it goes yep. through the Gideon window and Gideon has a big old gaping hole in his chest yeah big old gaping hole that's yeah. exactly what I wrote in the show notes he big is, old yeah. hole <laughs> <laughs> yeah so obviously none of the other planeswalkers have, any, have anything uh, sort of going on with their, their windows none of their windows are broken that's a reference to when on Amonkhet where he was stabbed by Volus in the chest right yeah yeah Carol, sorry. So yeah, I if I had to sort of tinfoil it back, uh, I, I would predict that Gideon dies in this set. Oh, we please. have our new white gate watch planeswalker in Teovarada to take place of mm-hmm. Gideon, but I think uh, Gideon will die or will come as close to death as possible. Maybe planeswalk away to Theros at the last second so he can die on his home plane, or maybe he gets somehow called back by the Heliod or er- Erebos or some something, someone. Yeah dies on Theros and then next time we see Gideon is in the underworld of Theros who else is in the underworld of Theros my girl Elspeth yeah so I, I do think if I had to make a nice tinfoil hat prediction right now Gideon will die in War of the Spark the next time we see Gideon will be fairly soon like probably early next year mm-hmm. or maybe maybe end of this year at a push in a, in a, a new set set on Theros which is about Gideon and Elspeth escaping from the underworld. And it would be called the Underworld of Theros. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I swear to God, if, if these actually come true, we're like, we, we are going to be, oh, the hot takes, so good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, because obviously... Call no shots now. Yeah, exactly. We have, because um, the Mythic Edition, Elspeth, Knight Errant, right, is yeah. her uh, in the underworld. Yeah, with like the death mask and stuff, yeah. Removing her, removing her death mask. Yeah. Because we've seen cards like uh, yeah, Daxos, yeah. who, uh, the Returned from the Commander of 15 set, Yes. Obviously, you have no idea about that because you have never played Commander in your life. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a black-white card, and his art had him wearing a death mask. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is cool. So, like, you know, because that's that's the sort of what happens on Theros when they they yeah. die, they're sort of claimed by Erebus, and they live underneath underneath Theros in an actual hell or whatever. Yeah. Wearing these like really cool-looking masks, um, and you see like a few characters from Theros wearing them, but Elspeth has removed hers, which suggests that she's just not dead. I mean, yeah. this is this is not in any way a hot take because this information has. I mean, people own the physical card with this art on, so this isn't really a hot take. But yeah, I, I really like that card. By the way, just as a little a little side note, I mean, yeah. this is a, an episode of tangents, right? I think it's a really cool, really cool card. The death mask just looks sweet. Yeah, they, they do. I, yeah, I I, I kind of like the the aesthetic of Theros. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I absolutely yeah, fab. Right. Sweet. So that's our that's our uh, really big positive segment about how great magic is and yeah. how great the is and how excited we are. Um, do you want to start maybe talking a little bit of crap? I guess. <laughs> uh, I guess so. So the, the third and final thing really that happened last week was out of nowhere on Thursday, Nexus of Fate was banned in Best of One Standard on Magic Arena. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we totally called that last week. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. So like, obviously Nexus of Fate was a problem. Uh, we touched on uh, last week where we talked about like Shaha Shenha um, was like sat caught in a Nexus loop for two hours on a stream with like literally thousands of people watching and it took yes. somebody from Wizards of the Coast Arena team to ban the player <laughs> before <laughs> anything happened <laughs> I think the thing it was banning a player for taking you know illegal game actions yeah. <laughs> but you know 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you say, we, we called it. Uh, I think more notably, uh, Matt Nass and LSV called it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> yeah, a, a little video, which we made a lot of very good points. It turns out Matt Nass is just really good at getting cards banned. Yeah. <laughs> gets KTI banned, gets Nexus Fate banned. Uh, let's just get him to talk about, oh, I don't know, Fafer's looting? Yeah, probably. Um, just get him to talk about that. Thalia, that would, uh... <laughs> hey, what? <laughs> don't come for that. She's not even good in modern right now. Yeah, no. and if you want to banner in legacy, then you just you just playing the wrong decks. Sure, sure. And if you can't beat a Thalia with Storm, then you're just playing wrong. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there are cards I would prefer banned, like you know Trinisphere. Get rid of that one. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. That is exactly the kind of magic we should be playing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Next to fate. Um, so yeah, it's banned in best of one. Yep. Specifically. Specifically, it is still legal in traditional standard on Magic Arena. Love that that's the name of it. Traditional yeah. standard. Yeah, I think that's fine. I think it's a good call. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, I think it's just the sensible option. Mm-hmm. You got, I mean, I guess we touched on it slightly last week, but you got, you got three ways to break it down. Like you either do nothing and leave it as it is, and leave it sort of to be exploited and annoying and not great when you're showing off like your brand new piece of software that you're meant mm-hmm. to hype up and get loads of new players on board. Or you spend, you know, the next week to fortnight, like, scrambling your developers to get, like, a tournament rules engine built into the game and completely rewrite bits of the software that is currently in an open beta process. Yeah. Or you just ban the one card in one format. Yeah, which which seems like it's it's the easiest fix, I guess. It just makes... The most sense, yeah. It's it's the easiest. It'll require the least amount of work, and they can just get it done like that overnight. Mm-hmm. It's a great thing to uh, see on Valentine's Day because <laughs> that's when it was announced, right? Yeah, but yeah. I think it's it's interesting. Like before, before I, I want to discuss it like a, a little bit. Just Nexus Fate generally as a Magic card, sure. Um, it will be banned in the Duo Standard form because Duo Standard is best of one, so that's not legal at the Mythic Invitational. Yeah. And it just it leads to a lot of interesting interesting things, I guess, from that point of view, because the mythical potential exists to promote magic, to promote arena. Uh, this is why you have all the we touched on this before. You have all the um, the content creators and yeah, you yeah. Know, names of magic, so people will watch. And I, I mean, I'm really excited for that tournament. Yeah, I, I think it will be a good tournament. Yeah, absolutely. A strange form, um, but a good one. Yeah, absolutely. See see, see what happens. Um, but the fact that Nexus of Fate will be banned in that tournament, this is going to be like you know a lot of you've got people like Owen Top all playing, right? Yeah, so like these are good magic players, and we're expecting them to play, you know, high quality competitive magic. And Nexus of Fate is definitely still a standard powerhouse. Yeah, the Nexus of Fate decks are definitely still going to win tournaments. Yeah, for sure. And it won't be represented at its Mythic Invitational, which means be showcasing Arena. Yeah, but it won't be showcasing true standard, right? Yeah, because Best of One is no longer an actual metagame snapshot. Yeah, because it's, it's you know certain decks become better if they if they if a deck has bad matchups against Nexus of Fate but decent matchups against the rest of the field it will overperform in Best of One or in this Mythic Invitational format than it will in you know traditional standard yeah. or in paper tournaments. So it, it just it strikes me as a little bit that, that those are the things like I think it's it's generally fine to have a separate best of one and best of three ban list a separate I mean we'll, we'll maybe touch on this in a minute a separate arena yeah. and a separate separate paper ban list yeah but, I I fully agree with that um, but the fact that it this <laughs> this big old tournament this the million dollar this is a million dollar one yeah, right it is uh, yeah million dollar in prizes tournament doesn't actually have a reasonable doesn't actually have a actual standard actual standard decks in it. There are sort of warped version of standard. 
but it's not like you know we're banning a Nexus of Fate because it's an obnoxious card and we're banning it for similar reasons to K- KCI I guess like in a certain way it's just it's an obnoxious card to play against yeah. but it's also very very good it's not just it's obnoxious and it sees very little players will ban it and it'll be fine it's, it's still a very very good card especially with Wilderness Reclamation and it's sort of stupid things yeah I mean if, if you're making the comparison to KCI I would I would Probably argue that Nexus of Fate sees a lot more play than KCI does, or did at the deep. Uh, like, <laughs> well, right now, yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> right now definitely. But yeah, I, I think like you go to a standard GP, you're going to see far more copies of Nexus of Fate cast than you would see KCI cast in a modern GP. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, uh, it's actually it's interesting. So I think with with that in mind, I think it should have just been banned, like full stop in paper on arena in best of three, in best of one, in duo standard. <laughs> So I, I disagree there because I like I I think the card mechanically I think the card is fine. Uh, I think like in best of three formats, sideboards are a thing, yeah. and you can absolutely play around them, like play around cards. Like you say you're playing like a blue black or an Esper control deck, you're playing with um, like a Ego in your sideboard, you can get rid of that Nexus of Fate dead easily, or like a Jeskai deck playing Syncopate can counter Nexus of Fate and exile it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you get rid of their hoeing cons and then they're just looping next to fate, which they just get a game loss for on paper. Yep. Uh, or you play a an aggressive mono red list that just wants to run them over before they can even you know have a turn six or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or like you're just playing playing a mono blue tempo deck, because you don't really you don't really care about next to fate. Yeah, this is this is the thing. It's like I have no problem with the being. This I think this this sort of bleeds into our final. Uh, final topic of the show. Sure, if you're just like vaguely sort of meld them together, but I think it's it's fine to generally have like sort of a, a, a digital ban list and a digital I guess format. Yeah. In, in arena standard and a paper format or ban list where next to face legal in one and not the other. Yeah. And I think that's generally fine. I um, I think so. If that's you know what where we're going, then like I guess you know arena be- arena becomes a less reasonable way to test standard. I guess. If it has a different ban list, um, but it just means that you know Mythic Invitational isn't representative of standard. And I think that's my problem with it. Like, yeah. This is specifically like I, I agree with all those points. Like I think you know Nexus of Eight doesn't just crush. It's not the best deck in the format. It's not unbeatable. That's not why it's banned. Yeah. It's banned specifically because it's abusable on an online client. Yeah. Um, and obviously sideboards are fine. But you just negate it, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? Like, but the fact the fact that it, it doesn't this big million dollar tournament no longer represents actual standard. Just it rubs me the wrong way, and I think you either need to ban it, or <clears throat> I think they could have done like it, it wouldn't have been great PR, but like you could have done a thing where you say, okay, we're going to ban Nexus Fate in Best of One until we work out the coding where you'll get a game loss on Arena if you keep looping it, something like that. You know yeah, what I, mean? I, I, I think just I, I think just ban it in Best of One. I think like the whole the whole point of this Mythic Invitational tournament is to show off the game, like. That's it. Essentially, it's it's you've you've got this big platform at, at Pax East, and you've got a million dollars on the line. You want to be the game. You want to be the event. You want to be the booths that everybody attending, everybody watching around the world on Twitch wants to be watching that weekend. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you want to demonstrate as many things in your client as possible, and you want to show off that not only is it a a fun, in depth game, but you can yep. also play fast you can play quick you can do best of one games mm-hmm. you want to show off as many flashy animations as possible and i think i think that's what the point of this mythic invitational tournament is yeah, it's i don't think it's to be the pro tour at all i think it's no, just to just to show off this thing and show off show off the game get some new eyes on it which yeah, i i think the 
like although like I don't like the format myself, I do I do think that they probably do have the data to back up their decisions or sort of you know skew the data to back up the decisions to get the kind of results they want. And I think as 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 long as we we keep seeing things like this and all of these changes and separate ban lists and separate formats in digital and arena specifically, I I fully think that there should just be a complete split of of arena and tabletop magic like like fully like definitely like separate ban lists so you, you can you can do your you know they can do their esport thing like they can have arena they can have like you know just people grinding ladder constant continuously all day long like if that's what want, what people want to do awesome go for that push that but at the same time also have this paper thing and just just keep them completely separate rather than having like one try to emulate the other or mess with the other yeah that's the thing i think it's just it, it creates um, a, a, you know, a vaguely confusing scenario, right? Yeah, sure. So let's 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 say like a uh, a person that's never played Magic before, never played Arena before, watches the Mythic Invitational because it's live on Twitch, right? Yeah. And they're like, oh my god, this is amazing! I really want to play this game. I really want to try it. And so they enjoy it, and they they grind best of one games, um, and then they think they they find out about Paper Magic. They're like, oh, I want to go to this. this goes to my LGS. And maybe they play some stat. I mean, this is all like you know, <laughs> a very reduced what would be a very long timeline. Yeah. Um, but then they, they go and play some standard and they play against this card they've never seen before. They play against the Nexus Fate yeah. and they have no idea how to combat it. They're not, they're not you know, it's, it's, it's confusing, right? It's like, what is this card? Why have I never seen this card before? And they go back to Arena and they find the Nexus Fate and they can't play. Like, it's just, it, it's, it's, this is, this is the thing. It should play into, like, being separate. So Magic Arena should be a thing and Tabletop Magic should be a thing. Yeah. Um, and it's just that, that sort of inconsistency between the two. Just, it leads to a lot of unnecessary confusion, a lot of, Unnecessary turmoil, which we're, I think we're currently experiencing, and yeah, I'm hoping for sure. there's an end to that soon. Um, I, like, I, I, I can as much as I can complain about what's happening at the moment. Like, I do honestly believe there will be an end to that soon, and things will sort out, and we will have you know magic esports, and we will have tabletop magic, and there will be two very very separate entities rather than what they're currently doing, which I guess is just you know trying to make it all the same. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's kind of like the, the symptom of this. This whole, this whole year, like we've been saying for a while, and Wizard said it last year, like it's it's a big transitional year for Magic. So I, I think you know there are going to be these kinks, there are going to be these like these problems, these issues, big changes, little changes, mistakes, and I, I think it's just going to be like this for at least at least this this year. I think things will settle down once once we get to the point where they, where they, you know, for want of a better term, when things are settled down. But yeah. we're just we're just gonna get a ride out this storm until it passes. Absolutely, that was that was what I was gonna say. Like, we've got, we've got to weather the storm. Right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, things are things are changing. Things are obviously gonna be very very difficult. There's, there's growing pains and all this stuff. And I think Watsy are figuring it out at the same time, which is very obvious in their sort of their communication pathways or lack of. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're for announcements because I mean, unfortunately, they're sort of learning this stuff at the same time we are, right? Yeah, like we can't expect them to be on the ball all the time because this is very very new territory for them. And they're doing. I mean, in terms of the actual, you know, arena as a product, it's doing very well. Yeah, for sure. It just feels sort of like it's 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 not cohesive. I think is my problem. Yeah. Uh, and I guess <laughs> I did want to touch on before we before we uh, end the show. You see, I'm assuming you've seen that Magic Pro Tour has changed its handle to Magic Esports. Yes, yes, I have. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> something, something we didn't mention when it happened. I just thought that was very funny. Um, I was I was having a, a discussion with people where it's just like, well. That's just that sort of the the that is the MTG Twitter handle now, right? Yeah, it's just Magic Esports, which which is apparently which in one of their replies to a tweet they said was just their Magic that was their brand now, so it covered both Arena, 
and Magic Online, I guess. Yeah. And tabletop. Yeah. Which means that Magic Tabletop is now an esport. Yeah, that's which quite is, strange. Which, which it definitely, definitely isn't. Yeah. So you're going to go to EF and then, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it, it was, I thought it was very funny. And then someone immediately obviously claimed the old Magic Pro Tour Twitter handle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they can't, they can't get it back. It just, it felt very short-sighted of them. Yeah, agreed. And everything, this is the this is the thing we're, we're talking about, right? Like, to split. I think you, you can have Magic Esports and you can have Tabletop Magic and you can brand them as such. Yeah. And you can have separate Twitter handles and separate teams within the company. I mean, all of this requires a lot of, you know, money and, and all sorts of stuff that I'm far too stupid to, to suggest putting into practice. But again, I thought it was very funny that now Magic is just an esport, regardless of whether it's electronic or not. Yeah, sure. <laughs> awesome. Cool. So I think that pretty much does it for, for us this week. It's, uh, it's been a bit of a strange one. Like, again, we've done quite a nice long episode, but so much has happened in the space of a week. Like, oh, yeah. Probably more Probably more has changed in the space of recording our last episode and this episode than has, like, in, in that month where we didn't record for three weeks. Like, <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's just it's fortuitous timing. Um, I mean, like, hopefully next week we can just record an episode that I've wanted to record for a while. Yeah, like, for sure episode and hopefully there's no drama to talk about yeah we, we've got some like really cool ideas in the pipeline and absolutely it's definitely some some good topics that i want to talk about but yeah, so many things keep happening and yeah I so mean, many opinions we haven't even touched on the whole judge thing yeah the judge, judge shirt thing which is obviously a very important issue but we just haven't got time to cover it yeah yeah it's just it's been it's been a crazy week for magic it's certainly a time isn't it yeah and now i'm really excited to see if you get the outro right <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So yeah, that is pretty much all we have time for this week. Uh, once again, if you want to hit us up on social media, we are on Twitter at hrefdcast, uh, facebook.com slash hrefdcast or hrefdcast.com. Uh, once again, we are on Patreon as well, patreon.com slash devastation. If you do want to give back anything at all, it's it's just hugely appreciated. We do thank you. If you want to get us on our own personal social media, I'm at peachgardenoaf on Twitter. That's oaf with an F. Uh, or on Facebook, I'm Joe Loudon. You'll find me in pretty much any magic group just, just talking about all things magic. With some serious hot takes. Yeah. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at snail69. Nice. Yeah, have an argument with me. It'll be really fun. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So that's pretty much all we have time for this week. Uh, Once again, the Godware has returned. So we'll see you again next week on Arrow Devastation. 